Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Thanks for listening this Tuesday, November 2nd, 2021. Topics on today's episode include a breakdown of loan sizes, my interview with Candor CEO Tom Showalter, and a preview of the two-day FOMC meeting that begins today. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, DocProbe. Getting control of the trailing documents process has been a thorn in the side of lenders for about as long as the mortgage industry has been around. DocProbe has taken the mortgage industry by storm by revolutionizing the entire trailing docs process from the bottom up. For over 10 years now, well over 100 lenders around the country have relied on DocProbe for efficient, cost-effective, and headache-free processing of all their trailing docs so they can focus on what they do best, closing new loans. No tree grows to the moon, right? You may not be alone if you are seeing a few more for sale signs in your neighborhood, and those signs may be sticking around a little longer. Only 58.9% of home offers faced competition in September, the lowest level for 2021 so far. That's down from a peak of 74.3% in April. Per the National Association Realtors, September also marked the fifth consecutive month of declines in bidding wars. Be careful of clickbait press headlines, however. Just because prices have gone from appreciating 15% a year down to 5% a year doesn't mean we're plummeting. Irrational exuberance being removed from any marketplace is a good thing. Besides, we're heading into the winter. By the way, if anyone is interested in loan and existing home sale sizes, Richie May's 2020 Humda dashboard shows the following loan amount breakdowns. Between $1 and $100,000 made up 2% of loans, $101,000 to $250,000 made up 25%, to $500,044%, and $501,000 and higher, 29%. And Zellman and Associates sent over the distribution, as of September 2021, for the U.S., showing 16% of existing home closings occurred between $500,000 and $750,000, 6% of sales between $750,000 and a million, and 6% of sales above $1 million or 27.5% in aggregate at 500000 or higher. For the links to those stories, as well as the latest broker and lender services and products, visit robchrisman.com. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back to the show Candor CEO Tom Showalter, who has enjoyed a background, uh, including at NASA, where he developed a variety of aerospace technologies for use in civilian and military aircraft, as well as the former space shuttle program. Tom, I think, I think you made it in. Here you are. I did. Tom, the last time we talked, you had just finished your latest round of funding. Can Correct. you talk to me about what that has enabled you to do and, and kind of what's happened for Candor since then? Sure, sure. So, so the funding was to serve two purposes. One was to, to round out the, the marketing and development of the product called the loan engineering system. And that's the one that... Um, manages the manufacturing of the loan. And so that's a loan engineering system and it sits as middleware with a variety of different LOS players. The other part of the money is to go to start to found what we call our data analytics business. So since the loan engineering system writes a complete history of the underwrite to a blockchain, we now have a data resource that could be made available for sale either back to the back to the lender so they could start analyzing how to make a a loan faster and for less money uh, while making more profit, 
or it could also accompany the loan the loan to the secondary market well it will inform the secondary market people about how how much what kind of data how reliable the data is that went into the loan and how aggressively it was underwritten so um those those are the two dimensions there we've got the building out of the loan engineering system and then the starting of the data and analytics play uh, both of which were funded by uh by the current uh, series a round fantastic so speaking of your data analytics Mm -hmm. You have a big announcement here. You just launched a data confidence score. Can you talk to our listeners about what that is and and, uh, how it's bringing you forward? Sure, sure. We really like to position it as a a score that would would identify the the strength of the underwrite. You know, how aggressively was this loan underwritten? And and part part of that strength of the underwrite has to do with the uh, underlying data. Has the data been vetted and verified and validated? So that means the borrower's income, the borrower's assets, the borrower's liabilities, and other kinds of data. How how aggressively has that been verified? And then we have another dimension there, which is we also try to make sure that uh, that the underwriting has been consistent with all with all available guidelines for that particular investor at this time. So we have two dimensions there. We're, we're vetting and verifying the data, and then we're also making sure that it, it is consistent with the guides. And without giving away too many trade secrets here, can you explain what would make you more confident in the data versus less confident? How does, how does sure. the machine determine all this? Sure, sure. So what, what, we, what we do is that if we can, we take the data as given, for example, uh, the borrower says he makes $10,000 a month in his gross monthly income in his application. But the pay stub says he makes 9,234. If the 10,000 is listed as, and he's only he only has one source of income, th- then what we have to do is start making adjustments based on the real value of the 9,234 bucks that's on the pay stub. So we try and see if that pay stub can be vetted and validated against, for example, is it about this borrower? Is it, does it have the correct employer? Does it have the correct employer address? Uh, is that $9,234, can it be corroborated with other data sources such as bank statements and so forth? So we're looking to triangulate in on each piece of data to make sure that it can be supported by more than one source. So as you find corroboration increasing, which means more than one source, two sources, three sources, you now can be more and more comfortable that you've got the right data. It it is on the right borrower. It is for the right purpose. And and all of that is consistent with the guide. So that's that's one of the things that we've enabled Candor to do is to do this corroboration extremely aggressively. I think we probably do well over a thousand corroborations on every log as we manufacture it. And how will the machine continue to learn and become better at data confidence scores or, or just a, a better overall experience for clients over time? Part of that is dependent upon what the client wants to do. So a, as we roll out the Candor loan engineering system, and as clients begin to understand that the more data they supply in the manufacturing of the loan, the greater the opportunity for corroboration and therefore the greater the opportunity to have increased confidence in the data and the underwrite, and in turn, 
the likelihood of defect plummets. It goes, it's extremely low now with Candor, the loan engineering system, and it goes only, it goes lower. And that lower price also, we hope will in the end relate to the potential to sell the loan for more to the secondary market, because we we hope and believe that the secondary market's going to find Candor certified loans, that is those that score really well and get insured, will perform as specified or, or better. Certainly. And and that's uh, one of the big things that I guess blockchain is doing for other parts of the industry where, where it validates data in certain ways that those mm-hmm. using it are saying, we, we have integrity here. We have a specific history. There's, there's mm-hmm. a lot, uh, it's a lot more secure and safe than the old way of doing things. So for lenders that may have demoed candor six months ago or a year ago and said, ah, maybe at a later date, what would you say to them now? What, what Candor has endeavored to do, it's been on the same journey for years now. And we're on the journey of making the best decision possible. And we try to take, for example, the eligibility guidelines and, and, and interpret those and apply those in a very consistent way. But we also like to make sure that we're applying them in a manner that makes the data that much more verified. So for example, when we go and, and conclude that this is the borrower and this is the borrower's pay stub and this is the borrower's gross monthly income, the fact that all of that has been corroborated and that framework of corroboration, if expanded upon, means that the, the lender can have greater and greater confidence that the, the data supporting the loan is correct and meaningful and that the eligibility guidelines used to organize that data and that validate it have been followed followed extensively. So what the lender can look for is A, the, the, the data and the quality of the, of the loan and the, the strength of the underwriting is just increasing. The other thing they can look for as we expand the product from, from a conventional conforming to FHA to VA to others, that we, we will be able to uh, take that same level of aerospace precision that same level of thoroughness, and that same high level of integrity of the underwrite and apply it to the FHA, apply it to the VA and others so that they can be sure that they're manufacturing and you're perfect loan every time, uh, that the risk of repurchase is extremely low and that the, the viability of that loan in the secondary market we hope will grow. You are in the 99.9th percentile when it comes to understanding machine learning. So mm-hmm. in this space, is there an end goal? Do things just keep getting better? What What is the you know distant future? <laughs> you know, I, I was just looking at our architecture yesterday and today, and we have a, an entity we call the pivot point. That is that is the smallest, narrowest logical entity, the smallest, narrowest problem that Candor can solve. And and so, um, two years ago, we had roughly fifteen hundred pivot points in the architecture. Now we have 42,000. And so the 42,000 enable us to do a wage earner loan and conventional conforming from stem to stern. It also enables us to do a self-employed loan and conventional conforming from stem to stern. Uh, But those 42,000 pivot points, well, let's put it this way. The current architecture of uh, of 40 some million has has taken years to develop, excuse me, 42,000 has taken years to develop. And it's it's taken tens of thousands of man hours to perfect. 
when I start extrapolating, where, where will we be after we do FHA and VA along with conventional conforming and add to that non-QM and jumbo? We're talking pivot point architecture in, 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 in Kinderland of approximately 125,000. So as we grow this architecture, the complexity of what Candor is will grow, but also its robustness, the the domain of decisions it can now it can now address and execute will be just stupendous. So that's where we're headed. Uh, the way we do that today is by organizing human thought. We we don't yet do strict machine learning. We do a form of AI called expert systems, and expert systems really are surround organizing and teaching a machine a particular kind of thought. In other words, in this case, we tried to get candor to do the critical thinking of a 95th percentile underwriter in conventional conforming FHAV and so forth. That's, that's what it is. That's what it does. And it's unusually robust. Expert systems uh, are challenging. They're complicated. They're a little fragile. So you have to take great care in how you develop them, how you grow them. And we have been able to figure out how to do that and to have a very stable and robust system going forward. Yeah, I think when we started talking or first started talking on this podcast, you had just under 30,000 pivot points. And so you've, <laughs> you've already expanded that by nearly 50%. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. very eager to see what the future holds. And, and mm-hmm. I wish you the best of luck. So thank you for coming on and talking to me. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Jobs and housing drive our economy. And economic data over the last week told the story of an economy transitioning from a period of extraordinary fiscal stimulus earlier in the year to one facing headwinds that were expected to be more transitory than what has played out. The advanced estimate of third quarter GDP saw a decrease in growth from 6.7% in the second quarter to only 2.0% for the third quarter. Supply chain issues led to shrinking inventories, and consumer demand drove imports higher while exports fell. Nominal income declined in September, following the termination of enhanced unemployment benefits, and, after accounting for inflation and taxes, real disposable income fell 1.6%. September also saw the personal savings rate fall to 7.5%, more in line with typical pre-pandemic levels. But lenders and real estate agents, along with homeowners, care about housing. New home sales spiked 14.0% in September to an annual rate of 800000 the median sales price for a new home nationwide was 408800 while the average sales price was 451700 This week, while the Federal Reserve is expected to keep the Fed funds rate at zero following their meeting, the market expects the committee to announce plans to begin tapering asset purchases this month. Inflation and tapering. Those are two words we've been hearing a lot lately ahead of Fed officials' meeting today. No changes are expected to the Fed funds rate. However, the consensus seems to be that the Fed will announce its first reduction in the pace of Treasury and MBS purchases and discuss whether supply chain snarls causing inflation are temporary or are longer-term headwinds. While there is concern that the Fed may squelch economic growth with early rate hikes next year, investors have already priced in the Federal Open Market Committee, scaling back its massive bond purchase program as the economy continues to recover. The Treasury will probably also scale down its quarterly sale of longer-term debt starting with auctions outlined in the so-called quarterly refunding announcement. After the October ISM Manufacturing Index marked the 17th straight month of expansion for the manufacturing sector, indicating strong demand in the face of fraying supply chains yesterday, today's economic calendar is light. 
MBA's latest forbearance and call volume survey revealed that the total number of loans now in forbearance decreased by six basis points to 2.15% of servicers' portfolio volume in the prior week as of October 24th. According to MBA's estimate, 1.1 million homeowners are in forbearance plans. Later this morning, Brinks Redbook same-store sales for the week ending October 30th, and the aforementioned FOMC meeting starts. Today's schedule sees the desk targeting up to $4.8 billion of conventional MBS. We begin the end of Mexico's Day of the Dead with agency MBS prices better a few ticks, 30 seconds, from Monday night, and the 10-year yielding 1.55 after closing yesterday at 1.58%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. A turkey walks into a bar in Louisville, and the bartender asks, What are you? I'm a wild turkey. The bartender chuckles and says, Hey, we have a drink named after you. The wild turkey, incredulous, asks, You have a drink named Kevin? Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, DocProbe. DocProbe is the nation's leading trailing document service provider. They take control of the entire process and deliver efficient, cost-effective, and reliable document fulfillment so you can get back to closing loans. Check them out at www.docprobe.net. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.